0: Welcome back to another episode of Remakes, Reboots, and Revivals. And this is a special one because we're going to actually re-release one of our oldest episodes. I think this was like... So, Rolando, if you remember, after Beauty and the Beast, this was the second one I think we ever did together. But then we had to do it again for some reason.
1: Did Was the audio bad?
0: It was either like the audio was bad or we just decided that the room was wrong i forget what it was because we had the task wrong. cam yeah I, I i just for some reason we did it again
1: was josh in it i remember josh was part of the podcast for like a hot minute
0: yes josh was present for it i do believe for but
1: the queer eye episode
0: for the queer episode yes we're, we're doing our queer eye episode we're re-releasing that because when we first started the podcast it had just come out that show is still going strong.
1: <laughs> it is still going. Have you have you watched it recently?
0: Not recently, but I if someone put it on I wouldn't complain. Uh huh. Eddie,
1: have you seen the new Queer Eye recently? Uh yeah. And what are your thoughts on the new on the latest batch of Queer Eye? I'm enjoying it. It's in New Orleans. Yeah, it is in New Orleans. So Ah uh, yeah,
0: yeah. I'm in
1: yeah, I'm enjoying it. They had a whole Once frat again. house. Yeah, they did a whole frat house. That was a good episode. That was crazy.
0: I'm sure every gay boy's dream, truly.
1: No, not these guys. <laughs>
0: to do a whole frat house. Um, yeah, it's, it's I'm actually interested in listening to the episode again to see if I still agree with 2018 Nikki. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel like we've evolved in our tastes and what we want out of media. I don't know if I have that much. Yeah, so you have because there was a turning point for you which was in 2019 after The Lion King You got way more cynical When we started oh, you were like true. very bright eyed
1: I'm so. still pretty I'm still I mean Eddie's the most forgiving But out of the three of us I'm in the middle
0: Yes you are in the middle yes.
1: You're like the harshest critic
0: Yeah even though I think I've gotten a little soft I started out harsher I believe
1: I don't I don't think that's true, Eddie. Would you agree with that assessment that (laughs) Nicole has given of herself? Nicole watches the show for 15 minutes. She's like, I hate it. Ah!" Just like that, too. I'm like, there are nine episodes. My my
0: biggest thing. Remember, I was like, no, To a Side Story remake. This is a terrible idea. What are you doing? And then the movie came out, and I loved it. That's like my biggest, you know, turnaround, right? All
1: right, yeah, I suppose. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah let's just keep blind. To it myself. took steven spielberg
1: uh, to like get you to like melt that a cold heart
0: it did well yeah if it's gonna be anyone spielberg i would love to hear from i wonder if we'll hear from the audience too and like how they gauge how different we were and, and you know just just picking up if you listen to us for a long time maybe you heard this episode and it's been a while or maybe you're a new listener and you haven't heard this so it should be a good time but before we get into that we have a couple things we want to talk about yeah so first, Rolando, you got some news?
1: Yeah, I got actual news news.
0: Oh, you got news news. Let's not, hear some
1: news. It's not yeah, it's like actual new like movie news. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, oh, fine. okay. I thought you you sounded like it was like personal news. I'm just like No, uh, like, not, like well, an as much as I want
0: to hear that you're pregnant, I don't think that's <laughs> what you're
1: going to say. Uh no, it is not. Okay, so, uh, I'm going to gauge your reactions based off of these headlines. Number 1, uh the new leprechaun reboot has picked a director his name is felipe vargas okay and uh what are your thoughts on the leprechaun franchise um (laughs) are you pro are you against it eddie do you have you do you partake
0: I'm personally
1: indifferent. Mm, yeah, I don't really care. <laughs> yeah, we're not like yeah, yeah, horror yeah. people. Like, yeah. I'm horror, but I'm not that particular horror. No, because like every time a yeah. new like horror movies get remade more frequently than I think, outside of like maybe like I was definitely excited for the Halloween franchise. Yeah, that was a reboot so, revival. That was a revival. Weird one. But yeah, uh, but, sh- but like we didn't watch Candyman, for example, we or didn't, the or so. the Invisible Man.
0: We, yeah, that was COVID's fault. I'm We're noticing a lot of
1: misandry in our choices. Here. <laughs> it has. We didn't man do on the Emma. Title. Yeah. Well. Uh, well, Emma's not like a horror franchise, unless it's no, a I horror don't. to watch Gwyneth Paltrow, I suppose.
0: <laughs> Burn.
1: Uh, okay, so no one cares about uh, the Leprechaun reboot.
0: I wish I could uh, say something engaging here, but yeah, I really don't care. Okay.
1: All right. Well, Jennifer Aniston is in the first one, if, if you remember. Yes. Oh. Uh, and... oh. Sorry.
0: That was my attempt at a Jennifer Aniston. Oh. oh. Okay.
1: Got it. Uh, okay. What about this? Do you care that Disney has picked a official release date for their Moana remake?
0: Yes, that I heard. I can't believe it. It's finally happening. And it's, like, in two years?
1: You say finally happening. Like, it's, like, the movie did not come out, like, what?
0: No, no, no. So, like, they announced it, and I was, like, they're not going to go through with it. But then they did. Kind of like Hercules and The Hunchback. When are those happening? I don't... I think those
1: were just rumors.
0: As far as I know, Hunchback was, like, so close to it. And Josh Gad, it's, like, his passion project. They just are waiting for the green light.
1: Oh, I, I would... I would much rather a Hunchback of Notre Dame, same remake or a Hercules remake before same. Moana. Like Moana just came out and it's so good. It's just like why are we, why yeah. are we touching this? It's because of Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Like he 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 wants to do it before he ages out of the role.
0: Absolutely, It's such a vanity I've, thing. It's but you know it's Spider Man being rebooted as soon as it was Batman. I mean at this point like nobody gives a shit. As, no as soon no,
2: but it's
1: something different because like for each iteration they do try to tell different stories it's not like a direct, not a direct it's not it's remake, not like a direct yeah. remake that happened so soon like even the spider-man uh amazing spider-man versus toby Maguire spider-man was they were trying to tell different stories despite the fact that did they, they were origin stories but they weren't mm. exactly the same thing uh same thing with tom holland spider-man right like they just went a completely different route uh so you get three yeah. di- so they're not they're not identical films
0: well then i think this is the next phase now of our relationship with media where we're just things are going to happen faster and it's going to be the same exact thing regurgitated at us which it already kind of is but it looks different soon it's just going to be the same thing
1: i don't know i I don't know why we bother with this one this one uh for certain is not one i'm interested in watching as a live action despite the fact how much i do like moana well, are you going to see it in the theater? No. No? <laughs> I mean, we, 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 we may have to if we're going to cover it on the podcast. Yeah. But that's assuming our podcast will still be running. <laughs> yeah, by
0: 2025.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, next up, Disney has also tapped a director for Bambi, Sarah Polly.
0: That's right. And She's... did you see, have you seen any of her films?
1: No. I've, I've seen The Walk of the Dead. No, Dawn of the Dead. That she was in it. She was yeah, I was not... going to say, she didn't direct that. She didn't direct she, that.
0: She's a very independent, very quiet, reserved, like, even-paced filmmaker. It's a very interesting choice. Uh, Woman Talking was kind of like a play on film. Okay. So, with Bambi being... <laughs> Bambi, it's just such a... It's so different for her, but at the same time, she's also kind of the perfect person to make it a more subtle, more reflective kind of film. If she is allowed to be her true artistic self she might not be
1: I'm curious Um, what they'll do with Bambi because I think I don't know like I don't know if I want to watch a CGI fest again
0: I don't know if I ever want to see Bambi in any form again I mean that movie's hard
1: it's not that hard like the mom dies oh well
0: yeah, well for you who has no heart, it's not that bad. But for me, it's rough, I cry, it's devastating.
1: Yeah, I don't think I cried when I saw Bambi. Eddie, did you cry when you watched Bambi? Mm, no. Yeah, I don't know, it wasn't in like... So
0: I cried in Bambi and I cried in Fox and the Hound and it's the animals that get me.
1: The fox, wait, what made you cry in Fox and the Hound?
0: Are you kidding me? Okay, spoiler alert. No one spoiler dies. Spoiler alert, if, if spo- Does, death is <laughs> the only thing that's sad. If you've never seen Fox and the Hound, spoiler alert. But, you know, this woman adopts a fox to raise him, but then there's, like, this conflict with the fact that she has a fox as a domestic pet. So she decides that for the safety of herself and for her fox, she has to let him loose. So she pretty much abandons him in the middle of the forest because she feels like she has no other choice. And it's devastating because that's, you know, that's heartbreaking.
1: I know, but he was also a wild fox as she was, like, just kind of taking care of him just putting him back in his natural habitat i mean you're putting it like oh she abandoned him it's just like she left him in his natural habitat
0: but at the same time he was getting domesticated and built this relationship with her so like i don't know maybe you think it's cool to just like drop an animal that's kind of becoming reliant on you
1: i love how that's the sad part for you and not the absolute racism (laughs) that this story is trying to tell well, that's just you know what it sad means?
0: in a different way. Not in a oh, it's going to make me tear. You, jerk, you
1: are know? like the walking epitome of that uh, scene from Community, where Britta's like, "I can, ex- I can excuse racism, but I draw the line at animal cruelty." <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, that might be absolutely true. Animals are definitely like animals and children are my no. But I'm not one of those people who use children as an excuse to, like, put forward my racist or whatever beliefs. I don't have any racist beliefs. <laughs> I mean, everyone those... has racist beliefs. I'm, I'm pretty much attacking now people who use children <laughs> to, like, say the queer agenda needs to stop or the black agenda needs to stop. Whatever they're saying. And they're using children as their excuse. They're just racist and homophobic and they're yeah. assholes.
1: Happy pride, everyone.
0: Happy pride on that note. <laughs> uh.
1: How did we get here? Bambi, Sarah, Bambi. Polly, yeah, um, yeah. I, I don't know. I'm another movie. I'm just not looking forward to whatsoever because yeah. I never cared for the first one, and I'm certainly not going to care for this one. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Bambi, and one last one. Speaking of animals, did you ever watch Wild Kingdom? No. Oh, Eddie, did you ever watch Wild Kingdom? No. Okay, well, Wild Kingdom is an educational TV show that used to air on NBC and uh, it's getting rebooted uh it's been off the air since i think uh, it was, it's been off of NBC since i want to say like tw- in the 70s 88 88 was when it was last on ABC and then it eventually got picked up by Animal Planet for like a few years in 2011 and now we're getting a new iteration of it so for all our cool. animal lovers out there i guess nicole's not a diehard animal enough lover i know right to they're, gonna take my,
0: they're gonna take my animal lover card away They so sh- devastated, as they know?
1: should to be quite honest yeah. <laughs> so yeah that's it that's wow. uh those are it's the a lot news, of news updates yeah i mean you know considering there's a writer strike hey yeah i was able to pull some stuff
0: there's gonna be just so many remakes and reality television show Yeah, they are. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, so that's it. Um, anything we want to say before we take it back to the
0: archives? Yes. So, if you are listening to this episode, it for when it goes live, that means that it is June. Sixteenth. Sixteenth. Thank you so much. I was literally trying to get on my watch. That means it is June sixteenth, tomorrow. In Hoboken, New Jersey, at the Hoboken Historical Museum, we will be having a screening of two queer documentary films. No, if you were in the area,
1: one is nar- one is narrative.
0: No, they're both documentary. <laughs> oh, they're both documentary. Yes. Oh, I thought you they were, haven't I even seen the movie. I
1: haven't seen them yet. I'm going to <laughs> watch them after this episode, so I have our moderation notes
0: ready. So I'm going to take that back. Two queer documentary films. I'm going to cut that out because that just makes you look bad. No, Uh, (laughs) I am
1: nothing if not honest.
0: Two queer documentary films. And afterwards, we will be moderating a discussion for it. If you are in the area, come by, have some wine, watch some great films, and come meet us. But if not, don't sweat, because next week we are going to actually release that content as a bonus episode for Pride Month.
1: Yes. you are getting lots of Pride content this year because, I don't know.
0: Because we're gay and we want to.
1: Oh, I thought it was because we want to watch White Man Can't Jump.
0: (laughs) Also that. (laughs) But don't worry, we'll be back in July with regular Remakes Reboots content when we cover Indiana Jones.
1: Mm, How exciting.
0: You seem very excited.
1: I don't like Indiana Jones.
0: Yeah, no, I was being sarcastic. Yeah. So, well, without further ado, maybe we'll see you in Hoboken tomorrow. If not, catch that episode next week. And happy Pride. Enjoy one of our earliest episodes. Listen to Baby Nicole and Baby Rolando talk about when Queer Eye first debuted on Netflix. Enjoy. Bye. Nicole. Yeah. What do you remember about 2003? 2003. Uh, I just started high school. It was my freshman year of high school and I just went into the public school system. What about you?
1: Not that much, to be honest. I was a uh, junior, I think, in high school. Junior or sophomore. Either way, I think I, there was a lot of getting high, so not a, lot of, <laughs> not a lot of remembering what was going on.
0: It was a good year. Yeah.
1: Um, but do you remember a show called Queer Eye? Vividly. See, I have no recollection of this show whatsoever because really? I avoided it. <gasps> yeah. Oh, can't wait to get into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, so today we'll be talking about 2003's seminal Queer Eye on Bravo Network and uh how it introduced metrosexuality to a whole new generation of men i think it created the the term metrosexuality oh yeah and uh we're going to be comparing it to 2018's queer eye by netflix i'm rolando and i'm nicole and this is remakes reboots and revivals an original podcast (laughs) about about unoriginality. unoriginality i
0: just like
2: totally zoned out oh my god
0: So what's up?
1: What's going on, Nicole? How's
0: everything? Uh, you know, I'm pretty good. Just chilling in my living room. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: I'm here with you. <laughs> we are in the same room.
0: How's how's the wine, by the way? I haven't had it yet. Oh, okay. Do you like it, Josh? It's good. It's good? Yeah. Okay, sweet. I got it for Josh. He likes cabs. We're really excited about this episode, and joining us again is Joshy. Say hi. Hi. Hello again. All right, so I'm excited for today. Yeah,
1: me too. We are going to be discussing a important gay tv show
0: yes i think it's important i don't uh, know. how do you feel monu- i think it's pretty monumental
1: monumental
0: yeah i mean regardless of how anybody would feel about it its impact has you know it's been it's it's had a big impact so it's undeniable at this point um so 2003 like we were saying what a year right should we get into some history yeah let's go I came to my life and my world. So this is a show that was developed by two men, David Collins and Michael Williams. Uh, They pitched it to the Bravo Network in 2002 and they just wanted to create a show that accurately and positively reflected the gay community. You know, we can't remember it now, but we were both in high school. I mean, how did you, were there openly gay kids in high school? There
1: was actually an openly cross-dresser in high school.
0: That's amazing. You were in a press. Now we're also, we're from like the outer cities of New York City. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure it's like really progressive. But even in my school, a lot of like the kids, like when we knew like I'm gay and you're totally gay, did not feel comfortable coming out.
1: No, yeah. That that was definitely true. Like there might've been a, transgender in the totally progressive and a hero (laughs) for their time period Uh, but not the way i saw. It's just like oh why are you throwing yourself in the spotlight like that man i'm no thank you
0: Mm -hmm. a totally different time like it it, kids are really lucky now actually to like be able to find themselves and to have a, a culture that supports them but 15 years ago even 15 years ago it was like not okay to be gay essentially So he had the idea of just five men coming in and having a positive impact on a straight man's life who needed a makeover. And that's what it is. It's a makeover show. Um, This show debuted in 2003, and it was just immensely a breakthrough hit. Uh, It put Bravo on the map, and it ran for five seasons before it got canceled, I think, in 2007. And it even had a spinoff show that we're not going to really focus on, but it did have a spinoff show called Queer Eye for the Straight Girl where three gay guys and a lesbian try and do the same thing for a straight girl and for some reason that didn't really catch on because probably because it had a woman in it.
1: Yeah, but the lesbian <laughs> just brought all that energy down.
0: <laughs> the world was imagine. not ready for women things. Was she was she
1: butch or was she a lipstick lesbian?
0: I think she uh, you know, lesbians come in all shapes and sizes, okay? True. I might be one of the more androgynous like butchy ones, but like we all look differently and I think she was kind of like in between. Was
1: she? Yeah. I feel like, I, for some reason, I just feel like in 2000, uh, whatever it was, the early aughts, True. it would have been someone like a hot lesbian.
0: So what? the show concerns five guys, and they come in and they do a makeover of a man's life in uh, what seems like a couple of days, but it's probably realistically a week or two. And I
1: think, actually, production wise, I think it usually was about a week of production. In the show, it makes it seem like actually sometimes like a full
0: day. Yeah. But in, it was in the actually, original they did, yes. The original
1: one, yeah, it's just like we're gonna go in this morning and then we're gonna get everything ready for tonight for a party tonight. Yeah. And you know, that was usually the same setup. Like they have like the big debutante party.
0: Mm-hmm. That's true. It is like I mean, a coming out party. Mm-hmm. But so the aspects that these men focused on were grooming, design, culture, fashion, and then food and wine. And they pretty much said, you know, like cook for yourself and make meals that are great you know like clothes that fit well like we were just talking about grooming uh do your eyebrows if you want but also just like know how like you to shampoo your hair and stuff uh live in a place that looks great and go out and do stuff, which is what culture's supposed to be, you wouldn't get that from the original because the person who was the culture expert in the original was a 23-year-old who they put in at the last minute. Did you know that? I
1: didn't know that they put him in for the last minute. He was a
0: replacement. They filmed two episodes with another man. So his name was Blair Boone, and they replaced him with Jay Rodriguez, who was starring in Rent, I think, as Angel at the time. And yeah, he was 23, and they just put him in, and Jay Rodriguez has been on record saying, like, I kind of just, like, winged it.
1: It makes sense, though. Like you know, you're on Broadway, so you know a little bit about culture, obviously. Yeah,
0: yeah. If you live in like New York City, then yeah, you're like you can talk about it, I guess, a little bit more compared to like the
1: people from like Long Island. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah,
0: because a lot of the people from the
1: original Queer Eye, like a lot of the subjects, you know, the the contestants, I guess you could call them, Mm -hmm. they were from the outskirts outskirts of New York City, but they were based mostly out of New York. So you know, when you were visiting like those Italians from Long Island or uh sometimes they f- go a little further up north mm. up in you know yonkers let's say sure
0: so okay so design was a guy named tom felicia uh food was ted allen who auditioned on a whim
1: he auditioned on a whim yeah now he has his own tv chopped. show
0: chopped which is rolando's favorite It
1: is one of my favorite reality competition tv shows <laughs> i highly recommend it to everybody
0: uh jay rodriguez for culture
1: I had no idea what he does in that show. Yeah. Poor guy.
0: Yeah, like we just said, like uh he kind of just wung it and uh kind of worked, kinda did it. I mean, you know what? I thought he was eye candy. Yeah, he, he was, was. Just adorable. And then, you know, relegated POC. Yeah. Um, Carson Kresley was fashion who he was the breakout. Like he pretty much became the face in the opening, and we'll talk about the opening in a bit, but in the opening, like, it's his face that zooms in on the camera, takes off his sunglasses, and the logo appears. So like they very much was like, This is the breakout personality. Like he's he's a natural and uh so they made him kind of like the star
1: do you think he was the breakout personality because he also embodied a lot of that stereotypical ideas of gay people in
0: 2003 i think so but at the same time like he was also lovable because although some people might find him and might have found him annoying and in your face gay like there was a he was very kind he was very uh in my impression, other people might just find that like 100% annoying, but to me, I thought he was very loving, kind, and open, and silly and fun, and very gay. Very, which very. I gay. loved about. I him. think
1: actually one of my favorite things about him was how uh, he was he was so witty. He was like cracking jokes like left and right. Yeah, he was
0: nonstop. So I understand why he became like the kind of the face of the show and for kind sure of the breakout star. If Tom a- Ted Allen was or Tom Felicia was, it wouldn't have been the same. Like, Carson actually does kind of carry it. Right. There's Kyan Douglas, just to finish up for grooming. And I think that's it. Okay, so, Rolando, you got to tell people about that opening, though. My world. Kind and yeah, so in the opening credits,
1: right. uh, had, like, your five guys, like, all doing something of their skills related. Yeah. And then they get a text message saying, you know, all queers needed I don't think it says that exactly, but it's just like essentially just like uh, the little bat signal and they have to like all get together to go yeah, to save you the straight know you. guy. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. So they do this weird like superhero kind of thing
1: Yeah, it's like
0: the world needs you. Right. Yeah. And I love that, though, because it kind of like has this like you are kind of like the people who can save us right now. There is kind of like this hero come in and save the day aspect to it, which I really like. And it's really kitschy. Kyan especially uses his blow dryer as a gun. Yep. And he, like, does a whip around like a, a Western cowboy would with his gun. And yeah. he, like, points Ta-da, it.
1: And has his uh, spatula. Yeah. I don't remember what Jay... Oh, Jay... I think Jay was just... With his sunglasses, right? Yes. Jay. <laughs> again, <laughs> nothing to do. <laughs>
0: like, yeah. So it's, like, their weapon of choice. But they use these weapons for good, you know?
1: Yeah. Uh, the intro... I mean, watching it, it was just... I don't know. Again, just loud in your face and stuff. And yes. And even... Even now, the connection that I had to that show is still, like, almost in the negative. Like, I think mm. the opening intro was just, like, way too, maybe too campy. It was mm. a little too silly. It kind of, again, feeding into some stereotypes.
0: So, when it came out, did you watch it?
1: No. So, I was not I was not into watching Queer Eye uh, for the straight guy. Queer Eye, uh, I was not about watching Queer Eye for the straight guy. Actually, I was very much afraid about watching Queer Eye for the straight guy because... Mm. When the show came out, I was very much deeply in the closet, despite the fact that I was pretty sure I was gay. Mm. And uh, yeah, watching a show like Queer Eye for the Straight Guy was kind of scary because it's just like kind of reinforcing some of those stereotypes that like you're afraid of being associated with. So yeah. So no. So I was uh, I was not very much into Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. In fact, my earliest introduction to Queer Eye for the Straight Guy was from the South Park episode
0: uh oh that great south park episode
1: right so that's actually that's actually the most i ever saw queer eye and it wasn't even from queer eye for the street guy
0: yeah and if you don't know south park made this whole episode called south park is gay where they realized that metrosexuality and like gay culture was having such a big impact that they made it like it was this trend that was trying to take over the world and that secretly the fab five were actually crab people um but i did see (laughs) it's so funny right because i did see kind of the
1: progression of style as Queer Eye was coming out because by the time I was a senior, one of my closest friends kind of embodied a lot of that metrosexuality to the point where like, a lot of people questioned his sexuality, not mine, because I dress like a schlubby old straight guy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And Uh, I I feel like now it's socially acceptable for a man to take care of himself and nobody question his sexuality, which is... I guess uh, we'll talk about that, right? Because
1: that's up for debate.
0: You know, it's not really a thing anymore. And a lot of our listeners may not remember what it is or not even know what it is because some people might not know. So do you want to tell people what metrosexuality is really quick? Right, so metrosexuality was just a term that
1: was created for... Men who like to take care of their style. So they were putting gel or pomade in their hair. They were dressing up uh, with fitted clothes. They were using maybe some texture. Going for designer brands instead of your regular old Levi or Mm. clothes from what was out in 2003. Maybe Target or Caldor. I don't remember what was out
0: then. Woolworths. (laughs) <laughs> these are all probably still out of, these were all probably out of business by 2003 but, uh, uh. this is when josh needs a mic but he told us that <laughs> in the west coast they actually had a store called metropark that catered to metrosexuality yeah so it's very much a thing
1: i think what like and other stores that were catered to that that were large brands were probably express h&m those were like your big stores yes. where you know they saw probably an influx of sales because of queer eye
0: true and like you know metrosexuality for dummies it's when you fucking take care of yourself and you're a man So and it's like it was a new idea and it still is kind of a new idea because like and I don't even get me started on the fact that like our culture American culture likes for men to like dress down and and just like way too casual you know like why why is that a thing but whatever that's a whole other topic that is a whole other topic but (laughs) metrosexuality and like said actually no you can put a little bit more effort into what you wear and you can wear well-fitted clothes and and I think yeah
1: but I think there were also extremes because with that you also saw a lot of guys like doing their eyebrows with wax i remember mm. i got talked into doing that for example <laughs> my senior year of high school and i looked terrible so i think that also comes with the term metrosexuality not necessarily just like dressing up nice true it's also some of the extremes like getting those regular facials going f- tanning right but i'm not talking pedicures. about the
0: extremes i'm talking about the basics like you know f- like look good and feel good yeah i mean you know because, like, anybody who, like, if you're used to just kind of dressing down, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but anybody who, like, dresses down and then you, like, you look at yourself in the mirror and something that fits well and looks great on you, you, f- you feel amazing. I don't care who you
1: are. It's true. I think uh, it takes a while for a lot of guys. Who- it took me a while. Like, you know, I was just dressing in, like, ill-fitted clothes. And that's also because I was just a heavier guy. Mm. I am a heavier guy. So, you know, just you uh, always assume it's just like, oh, if I wear loose-fitting clothes, I, I won't look as... Uh, big right and mm-hmm. quite the opposite is stuff that you learn especially when you start taking care of yourself right yeah and you start for sure. taking fashion tips and uh i think queer eye for the straight guy in, ni- in 2003 they introduced did a lot of that, that. Yeah. yeah they were introducing the ideas of you know wearing clothes that fit
0: let's get into the actual format of the
1: show right so each episode begins with the fab five in a car usually probably you know getting the information like the Mission Impossible information from these guys, right? Yeah. They get like a file, they read it off, and then they go to a straight guy's house and they kind of like barrage him with jokes about like his style or the way he lives, mm-hmm. you know, totally just read him to filth. Yep. And then, you know, they make all these promises of how we're going to fix you.
2: So we thought it would be great if you could throw a party for Beth in honor of Beth's arrival. Invite your family, your friends, your mother, and you do the cooking this time. All All right, I can do that. Yeah, but but Carlos, it's going to be a really complicated barbecue.
1: In a span of less than 24 hours, right? Like, between morning to evening you know supposedly mm-hmm. they gotta like do all this shopping get his hair groomed and everything completely redesign his apartment yeah, mind you it's new york city so it's just like this is near impossible but yeah <laughs>
0: uh yeah so they take him all around town and then they and then they leave then, and then leave. they watch what they did via like a televised yeah. thing in their apartment or and something And before
1: yeah and right before they leave they usually give you a summary of like all the things they did
0: okay yeah so what episodes did you watch
1: i so saw the first episode which was the artist Mm. Uh, then there was the episode of the model I think he was a model he was like gonna propose to his girlfriend
0: yes 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 I saw that one saw the too. episode
1: with a nudist that was a funny one that was like what? I think season three or four okay yeah, yeah yeah he was like a straight up just nudist oh. I think, and again like his daughter was embarrassed by him because she Oh, oh, oh! Yeah, I remember that. story. yeah, daughter was embarrassed. So for some reason, she comes to the house to like show the Queer Eye guys around the fat pie uh-huh. and uh, Carson Kresser gets straight up naked and stuff. And then like they hide his clothes. It's like hilarious. And then I also saw the one where it was a guy who looked like Fabio who lived with his mom. I think it was like, I want to say it was Long Island. It could have been Queens. Wow. And uh, yeah, he was a uh, an, a trainer. Now you saw Queer Eye during its initial run. I so did. Yeah, you saw a lot more episodes than I have.
0: Yeah, I mean, I loved it when it came out. I would watch it. It was just like the perfect show to put on the background, and it gave you like a positive energy when you watched it. So, but I actually didn't really. I maybe rewatched one or two because they, it. You know, I could not watch that show for the rest of my life and still remember it so well. It had such an impact, and a. It was one of the first things that, like, I came out when I was very young, and um. I came out when I was about 14 and I did the whole, like, I'm bisexual thing because a lot of us find it easier to say you're bisexual it before you come, old, yeah. you come <laughs> to come out not as gay. It's very non That's why
1: bisexuals have such a hard time, right? Because That's it's true, just yeah. like, oh, you're just waiting to come out as gay. Mm-hmm. Poor bisexual people. I know.
0: I'm sorry, guys. You guys are real. You exist. But, like, as I did that when I was, like, 14. And when uh, Queer Eye came out, I think I was 12 or 13. So this is, like, very much in the time where I'm just finding myself. And I think for me, it had perfect timing. Um, Of course, though, it's also had great timing because it didn't make me reflect that much because there was no lesbians on it. So it was like a positive representation of gay culture. But I probably would have had a similar reaction to you if there was women representation on it. You know, so it's like this weird, like, self-loathing process that we all have to, unfortunately, go through. So the few episodes you Mm rewatched,
1: did the episode, did... You feel the same thing for these episodes you did now as you did then.
0: Uh, okay. So I thought that the editing was a little now, like looking back on it was a little choppy.
1: Oh yeah. That was like pure MTV style. Yeah.
0: And the filming style wasn't as clean. Right. And they also had like weird mu- music choices and whatnot, but I found them very funny. I forgot how silly they were. I feel like the people that were in the original were just kind of like forgettable characters who part of me realized or part of me always thought like, you know, after these guys leave, are they going to like keep this up? Right. I wish there
1: were. I don't know if there's ever been uh, like follow-ups, right? Like do these yeah. guys. I, I would wish love to see. I to were see. follow-ups,
0: yeah. In yeah. this day and age, now they're kind of our follow-ups and you almost are like are obligated to follow-up because everybody's watching you. Yeah. But uh, back then it wasn't. So I always wondered that. But uh, that was the only thing. Like the subject matters. I just, there was no story that I ever felt that emotionally connected to. Overall, did you like the original?
1: No, I'm not a fan of the original. Even after watching the uh, episodes I watched, even in retrospect, even knowing the history of the show, mm-hmm. it was not a show that really spoke to me. Mostly because all the guys were kind of the same note. True, yeah, no, yeah,
0: the you subject know, the, matters. The five, the
1: five, fa- the, oh, fab five the fab is, five, no, I'm talking about the fab five. I think oh, the fab five were all, for the most part, kind of the same energy level.
0: You're saying that about Ted Allen? <gasps> With even well all right Ted and Allen Carson might be the from RuPaul's Drag Race
1: I think all right fine like maybe they were all different <laughs> levels but like even te, uh even Ted because Ted Allen had more like the better than thou gay feeling to him right which is kind of like the snottier type of gay man okay uh, and I love Ted Allen however that's kind of the impression he gave in that show not to Ted Allen I know who's hosting Chopped this yeah. is a different Ted Allen and then Kyan and uh Jay, like they were all, they all just had the same amount of energy to me. It felt Wait like. Wait a minute.
0: Is this 16 year old Rolando saying it no, or is this 45 year old Rolando saying it? This is
1: 45. This is 31 year old Rolando saying this. Is 45- <laughs> this, is Rolando saying this. Uh, yeah, no, the show just doesn't speak to me. It just, uh, what's it okay. You know, I'm not even going to get into the whole fact about how dated the fashion advice is because, like, of course it's going to change. True. Right? Same thing with like the style uh, and the design elements of the show that they bring in. Um, it's just like the guys themselves. As much as I love Carson now on RuPaul's yeah. Drag Race, the Carson from then still doesn't necessarily speak to me.
0: Okay. I would say overall that I appreciate it. I do have issues with it, um, but I appreciate it from like 14 year old Nikki to 29 uh, year old Nikki because I love products of their generation. This is something that was very unique to when it first debuted and even though they're redoing it now it's a completely different show and what worked for the original can only work for the original as just like what works for the one that's happening now can only work for the one that's happening now so in that level it's also good would i rewatch it late at night probably not right you know but
1: i am mean, doesn't, doesn't that say something about it no no you don't think like because movie? i
0: could okay so like the conversation by francis ford coppola is a beautiful movie but i don't think i want to watch it again
1: is that the one with
0: Gene Hackman recording oh, yeah. audio?
1: Oh God, yeah! I could never watch that one again. <laughs> <I could laughs> but watch it's a brilliant I movie. can watch it I'm once. I'm so yeah, glad agreed.
0: it exists. Can't watch it again, you know. Like, and that's the thing. There's Fine. a difference between something that's good, something that you like, and then something that's rewatchable. Something yeah. could be terrible, and you want to watch it all the time. Grease, too, baby.
1: Uh, for but- me, it's a white chicks or scary movie. <gasps> I love
0: scary, movies. scary, movie's scary so movie. Scary so movie, one right? and three are the best. Oh,
1: uh, I think for me, one and two. Once oh. the Wayne's left. You know, sorry, guys, we're late. I like to
0: yeah. movie through. But, okay, so I guess um, let's get into the remake.
2: So let's
1: flash forward to 2018. Netflix buys the rights to Queer Eye. Notice what we've been seeing from the title was the word for the straight guy. However, Josh, producer, uh, let me know that in June of 2005, they actually dropped. Bravo already had dropped quit for the straight guy because they wanted to broaden the audience.
0: Way you go, Josh.
1: And, uh, you know, the cre- in terms of the creative team, they had Collins from the original. Uh, I think he was integral to the casting because he went to the actual original cast to help him pick out the new cast members. So, you know, let's talk a little bit about some of these cast members, right? You got uh, Jonathan and Grooming bobby in design karamo in culture tan in fashion and anthony in food and wine so let's talk a little bit about let's start off with jonathan right off the bat okay jonathan is probably the equivalent of carson kressley for this this reboot he's loud in your face is he isn't he you would say he's not out of the entire fat five that we have we have
0: to define loud though like to me yes like he's
1: physically loud
0: (laughs) Hey. he he's the one that doesn't shut up is definitely the, he's one the one
1: who doesn't shut up but he's also for sure the more androgynous one
0: yes he right? is androgynous. uh
1: what's it called his lexicon the way he speaks and carries himself is much right. more effeminate
0: yeah it's just very part of the gay culture he quotes like RuPaul's Drag Race he uses terms that like gay people use on a daily basis but I wouldn't say straight culture is very familiar with
1: the maybe the cool straight people but nah maybe yeah <laughs>
0: You know, all the cool kids on Tumblr and stuff know exactly what he's referencing. Uh, Oh, yeah. We can't forget the cool kids on Tumblr.
1: But but no, uh, what's it called? No, Jonathan is also probably the, maybe not the most fashionably loud because I think he does dress a lot in muted colors. But for the most part, like, he is the one who's more flamboyant out of the new Fab Five. Uh, Then you have Bobby, who Mm -hmm. is Tom's equivalent. He does a lot of the design elements for the show. So, Mm -hmm luckily in this show doesn't it make it unrealistic well it's unrealistic standards still but like you know he does do a makeover for a house in a few days yeah they do give him a few days at least yeah
0: and like tom he's not like the standout character but he's also the one that does the most work and like really gives the biggest impact to these guys lives. really the
1: unsung hero
0: yeah there's this great meme you know that meme where like a girl passes by and then the guy's looking back and the girlfriend's like what are you looking at yeah so they did that because the girl passing by is Anthony. Of course. But then the girl next to him is Bobby. Yeah.
1: And, then, and, and that's pretty much it. The guy,
0: uh, what's it called? The guy is just they, is they co- the cook. It's American gaze. society and the gays. It's the gays. Everyone loves Anthony. Let's talk about Anthony. or Bobby. Uh, so, yeah, let's talk about, a little bit about Anthony, right? Because
1: I think mm-hmm. Anthony gets a lot of flack, even from me, right? Because Anthony isn't necessarily a very well known chef. Like, she, uh, Ted Allen has some credentials behind him. Anthony has a lot less credentials behind him, right? However, he was actually chosen by Ted Allen himself uh, because the reason being that Ted Allen thinks Anthony would do a good job of at least teaching normal people basic things of what you should be doing in the kitchen, not how to necessarily make like a five-course meal. It's Mm -hmm. more about learning some of the basics,
0: like how to get the pit out of the avocado <laughs> sometimes though Anthony they think is a hit or miss because yes like sometimes he's really smart yeah teach them how to make guacamole everyone should know how to make guacamole but don't teach the freaking cop how to make that weird salad you taught him like he's never gonna make that oh it sounds like a good salad it's easy it's a great it's like, it's
1: salad like, it was peach and uh avocado right i think and delicious then like some salad. little vinaigrette on top delicious not, not easy to family. make family he did, a, he did teach. He did teach uh, someone how to make pasta, and I thought that was like a lot.
0: I thought that was a lot. I was just like that's a lot to ask for a straight guy yeah. to make and some homemade also pasta. Pa- make pasta from scratch. Make yeah,
1: out from scratch.
0: Yeah, and of course the guy gave up and did not make it from scratch. Poor guy. <laughs> yeah he was
1: well, uh then you got karamo who would be jay's culture. equivalent yeah and who's better at the role
0: even though it's really hard to define what is culture and sometimes kramo's like i don't really know what to do for you but he actually does a way better job at yeah, it i think kramo does a lot of like does. teaching how to do some swag
1: how to maybe necessarily talk to people how to like present yourself i think
0: kramo's really good at learning how to broaden your horizons right oh and that's, that's a good, good way of putting it for sure yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah, go yeah. out go to theater go to a karate class socialize with the other parents it's really as simple as that how get to, out like, more open up. yeah yeah go out of your comfort zone and then there's tan and he's fashion fashion so we got two pocs this time we got two people of color you keep yeah. calling
1: them pocs but not necessarily
0: people know what that is okay poc people equals people of, people of color. color yeah uh, <laughs> we should have a dictionary <laughs> for this podcast frequently used words and what they mean how do you feel about that the inclusion well you know as opposed to one I mean we're in a culture right now where it's all about representation. I think they could've actually like in a perfect world, if I was David Collins, I would have been like one white guy, one Spanish guy, one Asian guy, one black guy, one Indian Pakistani guy.
1: That would've been I think that would have been too staged.
0: East Asian. That would've
1: felt like that would've yeah,
0: that would have felt too So including three white guys is like more like wait a minute though. No no no.
1: I think like including like one 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 of, of, like, a rainbow of, like, all the people of the world. Yeah. Is well, rainbow much would more, be appropriate. Much, <laughs> <laughs> that would be much more unrealistic than, like, you know, having a black, you know, yes, yeah, sure, you have two black guys. Well, I care. It's just, for.
0: yes, I agree with you and the perception of that, but then it makes me really sad where it's like we can only do as progressive as we can get is only two people of color this I'm not time around. It's, well, know, it's the, the perception right. it of it, more. though. Like, it's if, just, so it's like a weird, it should be that, where it's like it's not just three white people and then two, people of color the ratio's off again
1: so i think jay rodriguez was kind of an unassuming kind of yeah he was hispanic but he was like hispanic light
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh karamo is black yeah. and tan is not uh, tan i think it's much more important probably because he's middle eastern and as I come to learn, actually in production, he's experienced a lot of racism. He did from yeah. these guys in Georgia, which is uh-huh. the show from. In the heroes, place. in this yeah. time
0: around, they call him heroes. Right? Is that what they call heroes? Yeah.
1: Of so he war.
0: said that two heroes asked him if he was a terrorist, and mm-hmm. then he walked away. He almost walked away from the show twice.
1: Right. Yeah. As a result. So. Uh-huh. And I'm
0: really upset because in the first season, they addressed the fact that Kramo was changing the life of a police officer. Right. So they addressed the issues of Black Lives Matter. Right. Um. They address nothing about Tan, and he's the one who experienced direct racism. And it's just its just it's a shame. You don't really realize that that's going to happen, and I'm sure they didn't figure that. And, like, you think that people nowadays are over the idea that, like, people in the Middle East are terrorists, but I guess not.
1: No, and I think it's uh, – that would have been a harder thing to kind of, like, turn a person around in, like, an hour, right? That would have been more of a harder sell to make these heroes, like, more likable after – having a racist moment like that. Mm. Even if Tan is going out of his way to kind of make it a teachable moment. Sure. Uh, but I don't necessarily think it would have had the same. I don't know necessarily how audience members would have been open to that idea. Like, you know, especially, you know, a more progressive audience, right? It's just like, you see someone doing something racist right there and there, not necessarily. Do you really have an hour to make up for that? With at least Karamo's as staged as it was, because it it was staged. I, I had to assume by the producers. Yeah. Um, for obvious reasons, right? Because it was a friend of the cop who comes to reveal. It's just like, oh, I got you. Like, we're going to make over my friend. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, well, the big the- staged moment was in the beginning, though.
1: Yeah, right, right. It was like, yeah, the cop's friend. It wasn't the cop who was being made over. It was uh, yeah. his friend who pulled over Karamo as he was driving. Yeah. Uh, But actually, interestingly enough, that was actually one of the other moments that Tan almost quit the show. After- Tan almost quit. Tan almost quit after that because the actual cast didn't know about it. Oh, so and they were, they like, this were is unfair, like, everyone, yeah. not just that, but everyone was just, was just, you know, you're on the edge of your seat. You have a black man driving, like anything could happen in Georgia, especially, let's be That's quite true. honest here. Yeah. Um, so the moment itself was real as staged as it was. However, I think it's just, uh, it was an easier conversation to necessarily have with uh, a white cop and a black man because those two necessarily weren't involved in those moments, right? Like it wasn't, the cop wasn't the one who pulled over Carambo in that scene. It was his friend. But it was enough for them to have a dialogue. Mm. I feel like if Tan did... Oh, Tan experienced racism, right? Tan experienced racism, but if he was to have that conversation with the white guy, I don't know necessarily how producers could have made that fit into an hour-long episode. You know what I mean? That's a Mm -hmm. much longer conversation to have, I think. Okay. You know? So I can forgive the producers for not wanting to include that. Yeah. But... No, I think the inclusion of Tan was good because um, you know on top of that he's such a nice he he just seems so genuinely nice and I think a lot of his fashion advice is like so trendy
0: and well it's also yes it's very trendy but it's appropriate for the subject matters that he uh, he does it for so yeah like he he doesn't try and change them right I
1: think and I think you can make the argument for most of the entire cast here where they don't really put these guys outside of their comfort zones. Yeah. It's more like we work with them. So when you're watching the new Queer Eye, what were your initial reactions to at least hearing that there was gonna be a reboot of this show?
0: I had no idea it existed until you told me about it, honestly. And then I was like, Really? Why? And then I watched it and I got it. But of course, in general, I'm just like always doubtful as to why people are remaking things. But then again, you know, in twenty eighteen this is one thing that it's just like, I could see why. Okay. Why could
1: you see? Like, what made you...
0: Because, I mean, we were talking about it earlier, too. Like, when we were in high school, as opposed to kids who are currently in high school, it was a really hard time to be gay. And, like, representation of gay people is better yes. now. And it's, you know, we're just... We're out there more. Right. And we kind of need a show like this. Because, actually, even though representation's out there and boundaries have been broken in television and movies, there's still not a lot.
1: Of, of gay representation on TV? Yeah. And yeah uh
0: and not positive ones like this so
2: right i i would agree with you there right the original show was fighting for tolerance our fight is for acceptance my goal is to figure out how we're similar as opposed to how different we are we
1: all got to come together in a way where we can understand each other guys uh, are we going
0: georgia uh what episodes did you like
1: let me think. Some of my. One of my. Oh, so I think the very first episode was one of my favorite episodes, right? You can't fix ugly. You have, yeah, that was a uh, great
0: episode. Yeah, you
1: have the guy who is divorced. I think he actually was his second divorce. Yeah. And uh, I think it was his daughter who asked for the Fab Five to come in and remake him. And of course, like he is clearly so. Uh, self-aware of, like, what he looks like, right? That's why he, you know, the episode comes from what he says to Jonathan. Like, you can't fix ugly. And they go out of their way to, like, help him see who he is. Like, he's just, like, this ball of energy and stuff. He's so positive. Mm -hmm. And uh, they help him, like, realize that. And it was so nice. And I think, you know, they have that nice little ending where, like, he gets possibly back together with his ex-wife, who he's still, like, clearly in love with right off the bat you kind of know what the show's about because like they have that moment where they're all just crying together yes you know yes um another one of my oh i was just gonna
0: say i don't know if we address this but this one takes place in atlanta the first two seasons i think in the next one they're gonna go to kansas city yeah missouri so they're like traveling all around america too
1: so what do you think why
0: do you think the show's atlanta uh because of donald glover do you know why? <laughs> uh, no, I, I actually don't know
1: necessarily why. Uh, I have to assume production costs are cheaper in Atlanta. Yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah, one. the tax break. Yeah, uh, but no, I think the other reason though is because like Atlanta is like this interesting. It's going through this interesting point right now, right? It's a purple state. It's constantly flipping back and f- like the elections have gotten a lot closer. It Used to be a red state. Mm-hmm. It's you know on the verge of flipping to uh, to blue. True. That's why Atlanta is actually like, you know, Atlanta's a very progressive city, right? A lot of metropolitans are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Atlanta itself is a very progressive city. Yeah, no, you know for I mean? sure.
0: But I do have some qualms with the show. All right, so let's talk about some of your calms. Yeah, so this is where the lines of exploitation that's aware that it's exploitation and not aware that it's exploitation uh, gets a little blurred. Okay. And then when that happens, pandering starts happening. And I am like, whoa, 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 whoa. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be pandered to in this way. So... I'm a little on the fence of how I feel about the transgender episode. I think, yeah, there were moments of it where I felt like they were exploiting this individual for their own purposes to be like, we're Queer Eye and we're a progressive Netflix show. Give us the Emmy for helping educate people about transgender. And it's like, granted, most of, the, most of America needs to be educated not only on like, what a, like the difference between a transsexual and a transgender and the whole community... But it's not queerest place to be doing that. Like, remember what you are. And it's just like, you know, I know that the person, Skylar, I know that Skylar signed off on it and Skylar was totally okay with it and wanted it, but at the same time, like, there's this aura of smug that comes with it. And it's like, listen, Netflix, okay, don't, this isn't your job. Like, remember what you are. And don't exploit this individual even though they're okay with it. I think, so I have
1: disagreements here with you Mm -hmm. on that issue. I think... It's nobody's job, really, if you think about it. Like, who, who's, like, you know... Wh- who are you to decide it's not Netflix's job to do this?
0: But who... Okay. But,
1: you're right. Hang on. However, I do agree with you. Some uh, There were maybe elements of it that could feel exploitive. However, I think I can forgive those because of the conversations they have. Here's Maybe it's more so with me as myself as a gay guy. Like, I don't understand the transgender, transsexual community, right? I... Freely admit that. I have so many questions for them. I have... And, you know, it's never... I never want to... What's it called? I, by no means, want to make anyone feel like an outsider. You know, you're already... When you're a transgender or transsexual, you're already even more outsider of a community. Mm -hmm. You know, we're in the LGBTQ community. T is usually very much ignored. Very much so in the gay community. I don't know how about the lesbian community, but, like, you know...
0: I would say I is ignored.
1: The LGBTQ what
0: intersex intersex yeah Zoom. i mean it's a real thing in other countries but it's not in ours and we even said bisexuals get the shit out of the stick look we all get the shit out of the stick but it's like and like yeah we all could like try and understand each other more like do you want do you know what it's like to be a lesbian in this world probably not no. i right. i feel like the people who get the most praise are gay men and the people who the ones that we understand the most are gay men white gay men white gay men especially gay men. yeah, yeah. Uh, but um and I guess just to rebuttal off of like
1: Well I wasn't finished with my rebuttal.
0: I will hang on. No no no. I think uh what's it called? I know for
1: example, I think one of the nice things that I know could feel exploded was like when they had they showed Sky surgery of you know, as they removed her breast. Um yeah, it was like a really weird moment because it's just like what what the hell is going on? However, there was like kind of this, I think the focus of in terms of the Fab Five, the real focus on it happened to be Tan because he, at least I can relate to him in this sense, which is like he has a lot of questions about this, right? And he was having to have a conversation with Sky that, sure, like it might have felt forced or it might have felt um, like, you know, Netflix, who are you to tell me how I should like be thinking about these issues? However, it's a conversation that kind of, it's nice to hear because like you so rarely get a chance to see it. And another, and I think another thing that the show did that was interesting was they kind of sexualized Sky. Well, Sky herself, uh, himself was a sexual person, right? So, when he had his debutante party, like he came out, like, you know, showing like, his scars. On top of that, then afterwards, he started doing a little strip show for like his, his friends.
0: Yeah, he was comfortable with himself. Very nice because, like, you so rarely get that. Like, see you know? that I didn't have a problem with. I loved that. I love that they ended that because you could also see the expression on the Fab Five's faces. They were also, like, kind of taken aback by it. And here's someone who's so comfortable in their skin and, like, this is who I am now and is celebrating it. It's the beginning that I had a problem with. Just like I had a problem with a guy who is filmed. Coming out to his stepmother. Uh, stepmother, and like granted, I don't know if we should be concerned about her, but like she probably couldn't have a real reaction because she had five cameras on her.
1: Right, as we talked about, like the mom, the the lady who got engaged on, on yeah. the original Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, and those are
0: the moments where it's like exploitative. I know that it was Skyler's decision to have his surgery begin the show, mm-hmm. and they use that footage, but like
1: <sighs> well, I don't know if it was his decision to begin the show that way. That's- well, maybe
0: not. <laughs> well, like to use it in the show, pretty mm-hmm. much. Um, but I still think that it's it's you're crossing a very personal boundary that is just it it feels exploitative. But
1: if again, like um, I guess maybe I'm just harping on the question that you asked, like who is Netflix to show me this? Like who is Netflix to start this? like what like why not? Like if they're if no one else is doing it. I mean, if it-
0: you ask the question why not, you can say why not to almost anything. You're right. Like the question is like why
1: couldn't netflix like what the episode was going to focus on this person skylar yes. mm-hmm. we
0: knew that this surgery was a big it was, it was important yes, for uh-huh. him they took the precaution of showing you something so personal that they showed for nobody else just for that reason because you need so- to be educated about what it's like and what a transgender person goes through
1: because i think there's so little information there's so little there's so little not
0: awareness but there's so little understanding look it up have a conversation with someone and it's like, maybe the, hopefully this episode sparks that in a person, but like, okay, to you, why haven't you looked it up Rolando? And
1: here's why. Well, <laughs> is that the, Oh, I've looked it up. <laughs> I, I always, cause I have so many questions about it. Right? No, but I don't have the opportunity to have that conversation with someone. Cause I don't know any transgender, uh, transgender or transsexual people. You know, it's hard to have, uh, an open conversation necessarily with someone who may have gone through a gender reassignment surgery because, you don't not necessarily everyone's going to be as open
0: as Skyler. So showing them a person's surgery is going to make them more open-minded to it. Like I said, it's just like, especially when you think about like the overall demographics of the show, right. Which is just,
1: just a large, you know, the majority of the people who do own Netflix are actually just statistically white. All right. I don't know necessarily they're all middle American who are watching it. However, I think my, what I'm just trying to say is just like, I think the exposure to trans, sexual, transgender people, where we are from, we're from the Northeast. Where we right across the river from New York City, we are exposed to that a lot more often than someone out in like, let's say, Kansas.
0: Okay, let me. I had one in my clarify. Yes, let me clarify. I'm not objecting exposure. I'm so happy that a transsexual was on this show. I am worried that they're being exploited for the benefit of Netflix to get their fucking Emmy, and they had their Emmy. I think that (laughs) to get their other heavy and to just be progressive and you know, like they want, you know, they want that. I mean, but you know, we have to just remember that it's easy in the outskirts of New York city to assume that people are not educated. We live in such a different day and age. And I just think that I'm going to give the, you know, people the benefit of the doubt and hope that they might want to educate themselves. They see that on Netflix and they might want to learn more about it. But like going to the extent of showing something that personal to me personally, as a non-transsexual, non-transgender, I, I am worried that they might be exploited. But, of course, I don't know the importance of seeing that. So this is actually a good case in where we should have a guest. But mm. maybe next time.
1: Now, you you, you mentioned that you had some issue because you felt it was exploitive that uh, the young guy who came out to his mother...
0: Yeah, and this is where to too me, gay it, like, not to gay. That's the other. Yeah. to
1: gay too, not to gay.
0: You know, they could have very well just like, and I know it's because it makes for good TV, but they could have just been like, "How did it go?" And you get the cliff notes and let these people had their moment in private. But no, they had to like be there for the whole thing and to like have a close up right on her face, and she felt confined to react a certain way. Yeah. And I'm like, not saying that she would have been like not okay with your gayness, but did at the it... same time, she's I'm sorry, yeah, wait, wait, I'm not finished. <laughs> Um, but at the same time, like, let these people have their moments in peace. Of course, I think again, this is another case where the man probably was okay with it, or maybe he was forced and coerced into it. Who fucking knows at this point? But it's like, just because we can, should we? Just because it makes for good TV, are there no limits that we're gonna uh, respect anymore? It's called boundaries, and it's called pandering. I mean, he
1: must have. He obviously must have agreed because he signed the release. But I think maybe so this is maybe the filmmaker in me speaking right now. Like I understand the idea of like boundaries and stuff, but if I'm making a documentary or in this case, let's say I'm, let's say I'm just doing this episode. I'm directing this episode. Yes. I'm going to want to be there. Yes. I'm going to want to catch this moment. I may not have to use it on the editing floor, but like mm-hmm. what? Yeah, fine. I'm going to film this moment. What is
0: wrong with that? <laughs> like, well, okay. They signed their releases. You know, like he wants to, he wanted this moment to be shared. Assuming he wanted this moment to be shared. Not like, oh, by the way, you signed the release, so we're filming this, and you have no say. You wanted to be on the show. This is what comes with it. I feel a good producer would have it both ways and be like, yeah. they <laughs> would coerce you for sure to,
1: like, to share that side.
0: Uh, I guess I'm old school in the sense where it's like eh, some things, you know, shouldn't be. I agree with
1: you. Some things should be private and stuff, but at the same time, it's just like again, if you don't, there's, I had to uh i had to have that weird i had to come out to my mom for example right mm-hmm. it was and i came out to the world before i came out to my mom They were like lots of years apart are we gonna share coming here. out
0: stories this episode well, i'm this not gonna
1: share gonna... my necessarily share the full story i'm just saying it's just like i think you know maybe if i had seen uh a, someone actually do it i would have had more foresight into the kind of things i would have told my mom for example so i think he handled it kind of like he read a letter right I think he read a letter that he was going yeah. to read to his dad, and you know they had like a whole dead father. It was really too, nice. You know? It got
0: me. I even cried when I watched it. But I was just like at the end of it, I was like, mm, thinking back, you know, I was like, uh, should I have watched that? And, and a big qualm that I have is that this season of Queer Eye, their logo on Netflix is a tissue box with their faces over it. And I'm like, oh, you motherfucker. You realize that people had a natural response to the show where they felt emotional. A lot of people opened up and said, I cried. It was so emotional. And now you're pandering to that. And you're going to be like, hey, guess what, guys? This season's even sadder, so get your tissue box. It's like, are you
1: kidding me? I mean, that's called good marketing. <laughs> I actually didn't realize it was a tissue box until after the fact. And also I just want to make the argument
0: that you don't know necessarily that the people are crying in these episodes. Good marketing equals exploitive. And that might just be uh That seems like that the seems definition like, of it. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you know, like they realized like
1: after season one that like, yeah, sure, people were crying and stuff. Like that's gonna be So as let's a, amp it up. Let's amp but here's the reason why I think it was important though. Um, because you can look at it both ways, right? Not necessarily... The, sure, the tissue boxes are for the audiences, but like I think a lot of the straight men that were on this show, they cried, right? And I think that was important for the show because one of the few things you see, even in today's media, is straight men opening up, period. True. All right? I yeah. think seeing them on camera crying
0: no, uh, they especially wanted to even redefine with gay men, men right? Yeah, it's yeah. just
1: like, what's it called? That that is breaking down some toxic masculinity that we're like trying to combat. Oh no, in yeah, for age. sure. I so, mean, I don't know. You know, sure. Like, it's a little too on the nose—the whole tissue box thing. But you know what? That's what the show is kind of setting out to do. And I think actually, collins he, he was actually very vocal about the fact that, like, he this is going to be the focus of this series, this Netflix show. Yeah, so, you know, the, trying the definition to have guys of man has up, right. has
0: changed, and we want to see that men are now capable of being vulnerable and that they're opening up and all this stuff. So yeah, I did read that and that is very prominent, but still, that's separate. Let me find that out by myself. Don't tell me how to feel, okay? Netflix. Don't- I don't like being told what to feel. And granted, that's what movie music does. That's what posters do. That's what everything does. It's not that on the nose. And if you're going to exploit to me, then like at least make it fun. Like If I'm going to watch Attack of the 50-Foot Woman and I know exactly that what that's about, Like at least make it seem like I'm going to have some fun instead of cry. Don't tell me I'm going to cry. I mean, maybe some people want to cry. I don't know. No, I'm just going in cry. circles. But overall, I will say, I really like the reboot.
1: <laughs> Good. I'm glad. I actually, we like it. I guess, I mean, so we both like it. So my question for you would be, so let's do a quick uh, lightning round of comparisons. We're going to pick our favorite from the original to the remake. <laughs> lightning round. Are you ready for the lightning round? I'm ready. All right. We're going to, I'm going to ask you who is your favorite of the two f- compared the original or the remake in terms of grooming. Cayenne versus Jonathan.
0: Jonathan.
1: Jonathan for me too. Yeah. Agreed uh in terms of design tom versus bobby Ooh,
0: that's tough uh i might say
1: bobby yeah i agree bobby tom had a lot less space to work with it was new york city yeah that's <laughs> so true he just had to move in ottoman and, you know
0: we live in 2018 bobby has such a contemporary style so we're like drawn to his yeah. style bobby had to like rebuild houses yeah bobby yeah he had to do a lot you know uh culture
1: jay versus karamo
0: I mean, come on, Karamo.
1: Karamo, agreed. Yeah, Karamo yeah. have way more to tell these people. I feel bad for Jay. Mm-hmm. Again, another hottie to look at, but that's about it. Uh, fashion, Carson versus uh, Tan. Oh, this is so
0: tough. This is so tough. I can't choose. I can't choose. Can't Carson choose. versus Tan, I can't choose. You can't both. choose? I choose both.
1: Okay. I, I loved uh, Carson as a personality, but Tan gives me fashion advice I can use. And the last one, food and wine, Ted versus Anthony. Ted. I'm going to go. Yeah. I'm going to go with Ted too. Uh, Ted kind of teaches you a little something. Here, there. Yeah. Anthony, you're still hot. Sorry.
0: You're gorgeous. Love you. <laughs> I take Ted.
1: All right, Nicole. So I guess the final question of the night, do you think this was a necessary reboot?
0: I do. Actually, I do. I think the show is appropriate for the time and age we live in. And although they might be exploiting and pandering in some moments, uh, you know, they're, showing equal representation. They're addressing things that are very now and they're sh- they're redefining the way we look at men and that's important and these are things that are needed and they're going to just help progress our society in terms of the way we think and that's what I think. What about you?
2: Yeah,
1: I agree with you. I think this 2018 version of Queer Eye is uh, I think important for a lot of audiences, especially maybe some closed-minded ones, like if they just happen to stumble upon this show. You know, see what the hype is about. They'll see it's just like you know what. Maybe the experience some gay people is not that different from mine. Like I think we all kind of have that feeling of like being outsiders at one point or another in our lives. And I think they do such a good job of kind of like capturing that and kind of making. So I think one of the best things the show does is they don't necessarily uh, they don't they don't focus on their queerness on being gay they focus more so on different elements of life to just start conversations
0: yeah no for sure
1: and i think that's something that we need so yeah it's about
0: being your best self it's about being your best thick rihanna yeah and living for it (laughs) uh i don't know do we have any news this week or let's get some news news (laughs) news news news
2: that's our news wire it's all right josh well in this week's news um If you've heard, Top Gun is making a comeback. And yes, that also includes Tom Cruise. So, um, entitled Top Gun Maverick is an upcoming, uh, this is from Wikipedia, American military action drama, which is a mouthful, uh, directed by Joseph Kaczynski. Um, It's a sequel to the original Top Gun, which came out in 1986. Uh, It's intended to be released in 2019. Actually, that's sooner than I thought it was going to be. July 12, twenty nineteen. They're casting um, right now, right? They're currently casting all be. there's no way they're gonna have that up. The current cast, um it looks like most of the main stars in the original are coming back. Tom Cruise, obviously, uh Val Kilmer, and then also Miles Teller is gonna play um Maverick's protege. You know, Tom Cruise he uh he did um Mission Impossible Fallout like was the top movie this past week.
1: No, I'm, not, really? I'm not denying Tom Cruise's star power here. Oh, no, no. I just think it's just like, is this a revival that we need? And I know this is a sequel, but I think we would definitely classify this, I would classify this as a revival. What do you think, Nicole?
0: Rolando, ask me again my opinions on this revival.
1: What are your opinions on this
0: revival? God damn it. Really? Hmm. No, we don't need this. I'm telling you, you know how we always ask, do we need this? I'm telling you right now, we do not need this what if
1: it's like so what if it's so good when you see it like what if it's gonna be like the best piece what if it rocks my world yeah what if it's like the best tom cruise movie since
0: jerry Maguire? speed oh my god that was keanu reeves Reeves. (laughs) oh this classic
1: Rolando, i love it (laughs) yeah since jerry Maguire, i'll give it a
0: shot if i have to
1: you may have to for the podcast, but like for the I, love of the podcast, that means
0: I'm gonna have to watch Top Gun again, and that's just uh, that's not something I want to do, like ever.
1: You want to hear something embarrassing about me? I've never seen Top Gun.
0: That's not embarrassing. I'm oh, actually good. so happy for you. I, <laughs> I do know
1: the song. Of, what's it called? Highway to the Danger
0: Zone. Oh, flying. It's such a good song. The only good thing to come out of Top Gun. <clears throat> There's like okay things about it. I'm I'm being really hard on the film. I actually kind of hate it. But the soundtrack is fantastic. You know what else is from that? Take my breath away. Oh, right, right, right. And
1: yeah. that one was remade by Jessica Simpson.
0: Oh, let's talk about that in the next episode. Um, <laughs> I do have
1: <laughs> <let's> a, not... <laughs> uh, I do have a question, though. Do you think they're going to explore the latent homosexuality of these
0: characters? Absolutely not. They should. They should. They should. I know. It's, it's, yeah.
1: it's going to be out in 2019, supposedly. So we'll see.
0: Oh, that'd be great, actually. If, you know what? I'm actually... Re- now I'm excited. Yeah. Well, oh, my see. God. Top Gun Maverick.
1: So you so, <laughs> The title is actually pretty fucking gay. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's really gay.
0: Oh, oh my God. Exploring his sexuality with his new protege, Miles Teller. I'm for it. Oh,
1: yeah. You think it's gonna be a sexy, like, yeah. daddy-son type of yeah, thing? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think that's a good place to end it. Yeah, I think so, too. So, so, guys, what do you guys think about our opinions on... Queer Eye for the Straight Guy and Queer Eye. Mm Agreed? Disagreed? Let us know. Until next time, stay Stay on Original.